What's going on, folks? This is the Not Another Football Podcast. We are your hosts. I'm here. My name is JP. I'm here with Greg and Mike. Welcome back to another week. So I was at a wedding this weekend. And this brings me up to a very interesting point. So during the best man speeches and all the family speeches and all of that, everyone throughout the majority of the wedding was sitting intently, listening, laughing, joking. And meanwhile, I catch one person in the back of the room half clapping, half paying attention, meanwhile, just absolutely glued to his phone watching the Georgia-Mizzou game. So my question to y'all is, like, did you ever have that moment where you realize you're, you're just a little too into football? You're just a little too addicted to the game? That you're in the middle of a wedding when everyone is supposed to be celebrating joy and love and you're sitting here addicted to some score in some random game that you probably don't even really care too much about? I think maybe at some point I used to feel that way. Uh, Maybe when I was in college, uh, I would definitely rearrange my weekends for or around Michigan or Ravens games. Um, But as I've gotten older and I've been married, uh, I've I've stopped doing that. Um, Don't get me wrong. I'll, I'll definitely check the scores and I'll, I'll sit and watch seven hours of football on Sunday. But as far as college football goes now, I strictly pretty much just watch Michigan games. And uh, once the game is over, if we're not doing anything, I'll have it on in the background, but I'm not glued to my TV like I used to or to the ESPN app checking the scores. Yeah, I I think a lot of it is that people have like associated me too much for football, which makes me kind of realize that like, oh, maybe I need to relax a little bit. We were doing yard work this weekend on on Sunday and I tried to get everything done in the morning so I can watch my football, but it got to the point where like Tina's parents were like, Hey, you got to go. You got, you got to go watch football. Like it's, this is your time. You got to leave. I was like, well, I loved it and appreciate it and respect the fact. I was like, dang, am I really that addicted to football that, that I'm out here? Like people know my schedule that well. So I think I have an issue that I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe one Sunday I'm not, you know, right there at noon watching this. So I think that was what really hit, um, hit the whole hit home on that for me. I was like, Ooh, maybe I need to relax a little bit. Yeah. I also want to add for myself, uh, speaking, uh, I did miss this first weekend of football this year because I chose to go camping with my wife for our anniversary and I'm missing mm-hmm. next weekend. Cause I'm going out of town and it happens to be a Sunday night, uh, football game with, uh, the Ravens on prime time. So I, I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to rearrange my weekend, but I will definitely sit and watch football all day. Isn't that really like the beauty of catching like that NFL primetime where you can just sit there, recap every game, get your info back and really just kind of like cement and sink back into it. So like, okay, maybe I missed a game, but you know, the beauty of the, the beauty of modern technology. You know, I, I used to watch football and, you know, be real into game days and stuff like that. Uh, I've watched football at a wedding and I'm, I'm not really afraid to admit it, but I think that there is a time and place to, to do that. If you're at a reception and people are just hanging out, dancing, doing whatever, fine, be on your phone, be doing your thing. But during you know best man speeches or, or important, important times of the wedding, you got to be able to put it away. And I think that's, that's just a, a critical part of, of being a, the football fan. Um, and I think especially for, for college, like sometimes I will say this, sometimes I, I get kind of in my feelings when I see people be all up about a, a college game, knowing that like, does it, is it really all that serious? But, you know, I'll watch my, I'll watch my Nevada games and make sure I'm there for that every once in a while. But I don't think I'd ever let it uh, get in, 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 bet- in the middle of something that I'm uh, supposed to be paying attention to. Um, but I think I... The last thing I'll say on that, though, I think is is that for the NFL, and I I, I still make time to watch to watch my Ravens to watch the Ravens games, and uh, you know I'll, I'll ha- make try and plan around it. But every once in a while, there's just games you can't watch, and I think that's just it's why highlights exist, in my opinion. But so, I guess I have I have a question to follow up. What's what's one like non affiliated game? So non Ravens, non non Michigan, non Panthers for myself. What's What's one non your team game that you'll US make? US Women's a point World Cup. Every time, every game, I'll watch every game. 
ever since I was in Alaska yeah, um, back in twenty in twenty fifteen, and they had the World Cup. Watched every game, it mm-hmm. without it without fail. And I I, what a team! What a team! Right. What about you, Greg? Uh, you know that's a fun question. Uh, off the top of my head, I don't. I really don't know. Um, maybe something ha- if LeBron's playing in the finals or, you know, it, if it's a game closing or, uh, you know, game seven or something like that, maybe I'll try and watch, have to be there to watch it. Other than that, uh, I'm not really sure. So for, for me, it, it's like a, it's like a nostalgia thing, right? It's watching basketball on Christmas day. Cause that was, that was for me, like I, even if the heat, which is my, NBA team even if the Heat aren't playing on Christmas I always for some reason it's like it's built in because that's just we open Christmas gifts first thing when we wake up and then it is breakfast is being cooked while the first game is on and it is basketball all day long yeah I think that brings up a good a good point because like holidays are things you should be paying attention to and seeing family and, and you know paying attention to other things but it, nope, not in my household. It is basketball. You like we it is the three bonets when we were growing up. It was me, my brother, and my dad, zombies on the couch. My mom would yell, Hey, what's go like why what's going on? Why is no Nope, basketball. You, you can't talk to nobody, nothing. All day, nonstop, whatever the game is, even if it's a if it is a horrendous game, we're sitting there and we're watching it and we won't even talk to each other. It's just like those very stereotypical like man watches sports and just like grunting that's just the form of communication throughout the day thanksgiving for sure nfl thanksgiving is a is a staple in the in the champagne house it is you know we're, we're cooking or doing ever in the morning but it's on it's on so leading into league news we have a couple injury updates to talk about obviously the first one being uh tua with the concussion um, so that started two weeks ago and kind of really, uh, man, I just, th- I'm at a loss for words. Cause I'm just trying to, I'm just remembering that play when he went down last week and it happened so fast that it didn't look too bad right away. And then you see the replay and you, you are instantly, you know, something bad had happened. So JP, I'm going to turn it over to you since you are, you are the, um, I'm going to say you are the podcast uh, honorary dolphin fan. So uh, take it from here. <laughs> yeah. And, and funny enough, my coworker, he's like, I didn't know you were a dolphins fan. He listens to our pod and, you know, shout out to Matt vigil, but he was like, I didn't know you were a dolphin. Fan. I'm not, I just, for some reason, this sweet, lovable Hawaiian boy has just captured my heart. Love Tua for some reason. I don't understand. But for me, what's what, what I had a lot of issues with, in the handling of this is that there has been so, so many times where I know all of us have played football. I'm sure all of us have had concussions, right? It makes you harken back to the time. I know the time that I had a concussion. I, I got blindsided like right in the ear hole and I was stumbling. Couldn't figure out which way it was. My coach looked at me. It's like, are you all right? And I just stood there for three seconds, like nodded. And he's like, all right, cool. Get back out there. So you, you have that kind of that gladiator mentality of where players are not going to always protect themselves. So you have these these instances where you're trusting, you're, you're putting your faith into a doctor to make sure that I'm following these protocols that are put into place by the NFL and the NFL PA. These are things that are collectively bargained. But to see what happened to Tua take place was very was very gut-wrenching. We talked about it. We were texting each other as it went live and all the immediate reaction was, oh my God, you see him go into this fencing posture and you see terrible extent into which brain trauma can affect a person. So you immediately get sick. You're, you're, you think back to the Buffalo game and what happened. And obviously the NFLPA has now fired their independent neuro- neurological consultant who cleared to it to go back in the game. But we have to find a way to think of what are, what are new implements? What are new options going forward? They're going to protect players, not only for their own safety, but to also make sure that you're protecting their future. So it's, it's just frustrating to see this all play out because no one's hands are clean in this situation. 
you know, one thing I'm I'm glad that the was an immediate corrective action was to make the gross motor function failure a litmus test uh, for pulling guys from the game uh, without any any further questions or comments. So I think that was um, that was a a good step immediately after. However, um, you know, we always talk about how injuries, and we have you know this segment about about injuries because we care about the players and want to highlight the struggles that they're going through as well uh, on and off the field. But, you know, it's, we, we, we have often said that there are injuries in football and it's an unfortunate part of the game, but the worst part of football at any level are preventable injuries that end up being recurring. And I think that that is a different step of negligence than, um, you know, incidental, um, incidental yet unfortunate injuries and and concussions tend to fall into that category. Um, You know, it, the last thing I'll I'll say on this before we turn it over um, to Greg is that, you know, we'll go through the rest of these and, you know, we will continue on with, with our series and watching football and, and it will continue to make the NFL continue to make their money. But, you know, so many of these players, and I, I even saw Michael Irvin, uh, or uh, I'm sorry, I even saw um, one of the uh, the barbershop of football players on TikTok joking about CTE and, and these things. But to be honest, like these are things that last forever, and, and these are, are lifelong afflictions that a lot of people um, don't take as seriously now because, you know, we don't think about the future consequences. And so it's it's just, it's sad to see, and I, I really do wish him him the best, and I hope that um, the, the length of this um, is relegated to to the to the season. Yeah, and you you hear people talk about the obviously concussions are bad, but that that first one is bad, but it's the second one that gets you, and the fact that it happens so uh, close together um, is really scary. And I saw something on TikTok, and it was it was a couple former players talking, and it was Ryan Clark. Um, and I think Channing Crowder with, and Mike Tomlin, and they were talking about how, uh, Ryan Clark got a concussion once and it was bad. And he had a whole team of doctors and he had like this whole presentation that he brought up to Tomlin and he was just like pleading his case to play and Tomlin let him talk for a couple minutes. And then he finally just stopped him. and was just like, if you're not going to look out for yourself, I'm, I need to look out for you essentially is what he said. So I think. I think more coaches should kind of be like that. I think it's hard, especially when a player comes out. Cause I mean, it happened with Tampa Bay on Sunday night with uh Brait, their um, tight end. He said it was a shoulder injury. So if one, if a player is telling you it's one part of their body, how, how are you supposed to send, you know, the, the doctor over to take a look at their head? If, if maybe it had nothing to do with their head on the, on the, on the play. Um, so that's kind of where it's like the player, first of all, needs to look out for themselves so that the coaches and the doctors can can do their thing. Um, not trying to put blame on anyone. It seems like that, that I know the doctor got fired, but just kind of all around kind of seemed like it was handled poorly, which is unfortunate for Tua. Yeah. And just to clarify one thing, the the issue that was with Ryan Clark, because I, I watched that same video. It was actually about him playing in Denver with his sickle cell anemia. In that situation, he had brought an entire team of doctors in. He had done all of this information. He had built a team around him to show, like, I can play in Denver without having any issues with my sickle cell anemia. And that that was, like, the, the, the precipice behind it. And I think what's, what's different in that scenario and what's different with this Tua situation is that looking at what Mike McDaniels, who's a brand-new head coach, trying to figure this out, you're in a position where now you're you're calling the plays when it's a little bit different as well than the role that you play as a head coach. Cause if you're on the sidelines and you're a coach like a Tomlin, like a Harbaugh where your job is not necessarily to call X's and O's where you're more of a manager of the team, you have a lot more flexibility and in, in, in a lot more time in terms of processing information. Whereas in that Tua situation, Mike McDaniels is boom. All right. I'm right back to, Hey, I got to call the next play. Got to got to get my offense set. Got to call the next personnel setting and all that. And you go back and you rely more on your doctors in game to figure that out. And if you come out of that situation, you go back at halftime and you're like, okay, what are the doctors telling me? All right, team doctors, 
and this independent neurological consultant have thus now cleared him. Tua, can you play? And three individuals are telling you it's a back and ankle. It's it's hard. It's it. There's like I said, it's it's not necessarily McDaniel's fault, but it's a failure of the the institutional structure to protect him. Like like Mike said, and I think you said that perfectly. And I think what you said of the the gross motor failure is so important. You were absolutely 100% spot on with that, Mike. And to bring us away from all this serious concussion talk, we have a new we have a new QB in Pittsburgh. Kenny Pickett has officially the Kenny Pickett era has officially begun in Pittsburgh. Um, we'll see if his hands are big enough for the task, but I'm very curious to see having all of us have been through scenarios of when is the young QB going to take over? How do you feel like this transition is going to to play out? I don't think anyone really expected Trubisky to make it through the full year. Um, I feel like even people in Pittsburgh kind of had their doubts. And I think mainly that's because of the where you drafted um, Pickett in the draft. So, I mean, also, I mean, I, I know Trubisky is an NFL quarterback and only a handful of people can say that, but we all know he's not. He's, he's not there. He's just a serviceable quarterback. So their offense was just stalling so bad that it seemed like after game one, people were already waiting and, and asking when, when Pickett coming in. I think it was tough for him to come in at the time that he did in that game. But looking at his stats, yeah, he had the three interceptions. He completed 10 passes. He had two rushing touchdowns. And they only lost by, I don't know, what was it, a field goal? So, I mean, that's that's obviously stuff to build upon, and I think he'll he'll do good from here. Um, he definitely spreads the ball around a lot more. I think it's going to get the receivers involved um, because they have kind of a weaker O-line. So I think he will help facilitate the ball around more, and you'll start to see that offense kind of pick up a little bit. I think you bring up some, some good points there, Greg, particularly um... – with a younger quarterback being able to move the ball around and, and give some juice to their offense. It is exciting to see a hometown kid get to make his NFL debut moving forward in the same stadium he played college football in. And um, I know I mentioned this before we started the podcast, but I'm going to harp on it again because I think it's so cool. You know, I, I don't think there are a lot of quarterbacks who can um, say something similar uh, win or lose or however he does I still think that 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 aspect of it is uh, a pretty good story um but that being said I'm also interested to see if he's up for the task and I think a lot of the criticisms that Greg had about the size of his hands really speak to a point of not just the NFL thinking that hand size is relevant but um the aspects that of JP not um, <laughs> so, <laughs> Uh, sure. JP talking about hand size offhandedly. I think, um, it'll be <laughs> interesting moving forward to see if, if he truly is, um, an NFL, an NFL ready quarterback. Cause I mean, Mitch Trubisky coming out of college, getting the opportunity to take over the reins in Chicago, people thought, Hey, he could be, he could be the truth. He could be the next coming of whoever has been good playing quarterback in Chicago. Don't ask me. There's never um, been a good so, Chicago quarterback. Oh, that's unfortunate for them. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think it'll be interesting to see if, if he's able to do it. And if Mitch Trubisky is finally riding off into the sunset, but. JP, I think Rex Grossman who went to a Super Bowl, will say uh, otherwise. Hey, do you want to know something that's really cool? And this can be our stat of the day. The Chicago bears have never had a quarterback throw over 4,000 yards in a season. So I don't, I don't want to hear about, I want to hear about Rex Grossman, okay? How many teams I think, haven't had a quarterback throw for 4,000 yards in a season? I believe they're though? the last one. So This kind of, I feel like, goes with what we were talking about last week. Like, I think, I think Chicago has it ingrained in them so hard that they – it is like – I don't know what it is. It must be ingrained in the ownership that they will not let their offenses – um, be good. Like they refuse to to update their off offenses into into modern day, and they're just like we will win a championship and we will hang our hats on our defense. And I, 
honestly, at this point, I, I just think it's really stupid. And it's also cold. Are you borrowing any any plays from the Ravens playbook? Because it's it's trending in that direction at this point. Oh. That's my that's my first Ravens <laughs> comment of the day. So it's going to be a spicy night. Don't you worry. I got so, I got some clips yeah. loaded for for the Ravens later. Um, but I it took think, us twenty minutes to get there, but he finally got it in. I was waiting. Um, I I think the the important thing to look at with the Kenny Pickett situation is you're actually what is promising for the Steelers is that the Steelers were actually able to get more wide receivers involved in the offense once Ketty took over. Granted, I know it's only 10 completions. It's a short, it's a small sample size, but you saw the distribution going to more places rather than it just being keyed in on Deontay Johnson. George Pickens got more involved. I think he's going to take over in the number two slot in Pittsburgh over Chase Claypool, who's had a very, very, and granted that the quarterback issue has been a problem, but I think that in terms of upside and scale, in terms of athletic ability, I think Pickens has a little bit more of that spectacular catch kind of thing if we're to borrow from Madden a little bit. So I'm interested to see how that affects these new group of wide receivers that are still trying to get to know each other and, and meld a little bit more. I think George Pickens, being younger, will have an opportunity to really take over that number two spot. Pickens, dog. That's what he is. Yo, that man is a walking black Air Force. I've said it before and I'll say it again. That man scares me. He got suspended for I think he got was it he got suspended for fighting someone at Ole Miss and missed had to miss half of the Alabama game or something like that. It was you don't you don't want to catch him in anywhere because he will throw hands on site. He is a wide receiver that has the mentality of an inside linebacker. Yeah, I mean, there was the NFL clip of Steve Smith at the Steelers practice, and somebody made the offhanded comment that, you know, Steve Smith Sr. remembers uh, playing the Steelers because he said, you know, if anybody hits me, come come find me after. And I was, to your all point, I was thinking that if Pickett hits you, I I might pay to watch that. I mean, once they're done with, with football, I might pay, pay-per-view that. That's That might be interesting. Do you guys think that Pickens – ability can be hurt with a quarterback coming in who's so young? Um, Or do you think that he's able to thrive as a receiver um, with pretty much anyone thrown in the rock provided he can get open? I think it helps because he has a wider catch radius. So his his athleticism allows for a, a younger quarterback to be less accurate. Kind of think about it the way I kind of like, use this example and I think about is you think about a young Matthew Stafford coming into the league and this is not a comparison that George Pickens is Calvin Johnson I'm going to disclaimer that is not what I'm saying but when you have an uber athletic wide receiver that can make a, a wider radius of catches it allows your quarterback to have a little bit more confidence of like okay he out he out there somewhere I'm gonna throw it right so it allows him that kind of a little bit more confidence of I can just put the ball in the area and he's going to come down with it. It's basically how DeAndre Hopkins made his career the entire time he was in Houston. I mean, and not to mention at Georgia, he went from, was it Stenson Bennett, who isn't a top tier quarterback to the NFL playing with another rookie quarterback who was, you know, played five years in college was a high draft pick. Um, played you, you talked about it earlier played in that stadium has a lot of support around him so I don't think it would be that big of a jump I mean they're both rookies so they're both kind of going through it together and I, I see that we're getting off into kind of the kind of player aspect of of the the game so far but I think that kind of brings us to our next topic right um, we're looking back at the first quarter of the season and some of the biggest takeaways have at least from my perspective have been some of these young players stepping up and, and showing out. And so I'm I'm really excited to see the rest of the way if, if these players can – some of these young players uh, who are in, in the running for you know, most most improved rookie and, and or most impressive rookie, things like that, are, uh, are for real or if they're just um, a one-hit wonder. So it'll be interesting to, to see. But where are you guys guys coming from? JP, um, any, anything stand out to you in this first quarter? Yeah. The the things that so there's two things that have been I have my biggest my biggest takeaway is the Packers offense is not the same thing that we were it is it is completely evolved away from what I expected it to be 
everyone coming into the season was talking about Aaron Rodgers is the GOAT. He's going to be able to spread the ball around a lot more. That offense is going to continue to click, even though Devontae Adams is not there. Um, and kind of the flip side of this is like you kind of compare that to what is going on uh, to in in compare that what's going on with Kansas City. And you see that they lost a huge weapon, but that offense is still clicking at the same clip as it was the year before. Meanwhile, in Green Bay, it's completely shifted. That is a run dominant run first offense now. And that's that's one of the biggest surprises I was thinking of. We we have this we have one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. But you're seeing, you know, 14 points, 21 points. You're not seeing explosive offense or shocking plays coming. And granted, that's early in the season. You have a lot of young wide receivers. But I I was expecting something different in comparison to what's happening in Kansas City, where the Chiefs offense is looking like a looking unstoppable once again. Um, I think my biggest surprise is is the lack of dominance in the AFC North. I think that was one of the most shocking things. Because after week one, I came away thinking that the Ravens were going to completely run away with that division. And I was really I was really surprised to see that that the Ravens were able to... They had an opportunity twice to solidify. They should be 4-0 right now. They absolutely should. And I can give you 17-plus reasons why. But I think I'm just going to stop halfway through my point and let someone else take over. Yeah, I see what you did there, JP. Um, <laughs> but let me let me talk on let me let me touch on what you said. Let me let me touch on what you said about the, the Chiefs and Aaron Rodgers. And I think that says a ton about both quarterbacks and the willingness of Pat Mahomes to understand that he needs to be a different type of quarterback without Hill or any changes that come in. Um, and he's so open to learning a new system or just new plays and spread the ball around. Unlike Aaron Rodgers, where he gets stubborn. We talked about that a little bit um, so far, so I'm not going to keep going into that, but I think that just really speaks on that. For me, my biggest surprise or takeaway so far this year has, has got to be the Colts. I can't figure them out. I think their win last week was kind of a, a a fluke against the chiefs. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and put that into a trap game mentality that the chiefs had. Cause they were playing the bucks, you know, the next week. So they just weren't coming, you know, coming in ready. And I think they overlooked them, which is um, not, which is how you got the result you did. Not to mention they lost. Cause I think of more special team errors than the Colts were just beat them. I understand that the Colts the last, what, three, four years have had a new quarterback every year. So I understand that the Colts have had a new quarterback for the last couple couple years. And one of their running backs came out and said that. So like, you know, it's, it's tough being able to pick up and play the Titans or all these other teams when we are, you know, constantly having to up, you know, mesh, remesh with our quarterback and find a rhythm, but you know, we're going to get it together. I don't know if you guys are. I don't think you guys are. You have a Hall of Fame quarterback, you know, right there. But you guys have built your offense and your identity on on an offensive line play and running the rock. But you guys are 27th in the league in rushing. And your offense ranks 19th overall. Um, and I think that the passing for them, their ranked 10th is kind of inflated because they've just had to throw the ball so much, which is not what they want to do. So Colts sitting at one and three, I had them as my division winners. I just expected more from them this year. And that that's been my biggest surprise so far is just how bad that they've, they've looked. So as, as we, as we mentioned, we are hitting that, that quarter point of the season. So I want to turn to y'all and let's, let's rank some teams. Let's see where we're at so far. We're, we're at this point that's pivotal. We've had some division games played. So I want to start with you, Greg. What what is your power top five looking like right now? What is who's at, atop the mountaintop, shall we say? So I'm just going to go from five to one, and I'm going to go um, five. I have Tampa Bay, four, or no, my bad, my bad. I I switched that. Uh, five, I have the Vikings. Four, I have the Bucks. Three, I have the Bills. Two, Eagles. One, Chiefs. 
Ooh. All right. Let's go through all of ours and then we'll break it down. Mike, why don't you, why don't you tell us who you got five to one? Uh, yeah, that's, that's a tough act to follow, but, um, I also have chiefs one, um, but I have bills too. Um, and then I have, uh, none of these teams are who I wanted. Um, San Francisco at, at three. And then I have the, uh, Eagles at four, the bucks at five. And that's my top five. Okay, so I'll, I'll go five to one on mine. So at five, I have the Packers. At four, I have the Vikings. At three, I have the Bills. At two, I have the Chiefs. And at one, I have the Eagles. So I'm interested to hear, Mike, why not the Eagles at number one? They are the only undefeated team in the NFL. Yes, they are. And I think that's a good point to to bring up. And as much as record matters, uh, Greg made a good point earlier having to look at at injuries uh, when thinking about these rankings week to week. But I think, but for me, um, what I really look at uh, is the team in its totality. And and while the Eagles are playing phenomenal football, they have dudes at every level. They have guys all over the, all over the uh, offense and defense. I am still a little, I'm not sold quite yet. Um, And I think it's early in the season. And so teams probably haven't really found their, uh, their feet quite just yet and as we've seen over teams with hot starts in the past uh notably last season the or notably a couple of seasons ago the Steelers having a nearly undefeated season and then doing nothing um and so it, it teams can figure figure you out at any at any time and it can really throw a wrench in things but um so I'm not I'm not quite sold yet I need to see it a couple more weeks but uh it's a good point other than that I I really stand by what I uh the way I've listed them <laughs> Anyone else you want to ask about? Well, I'm just I'm just curious to see how 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 the sausage is made per se. Um I think I think it's I think what's interesting for Greg's is is the the placement of the Bucks. I mean, they got they got routed last night or sorry, Sunday night. But they got routed by Greg and my number 1 team, I will point out. Yeah, and they they also lost to the Packers. They only put up 12 points in that game. Yes. And I understand how this is confusing to you, JP, because there are other teams I feel like I could have been in there. But the way I was just looking at it was, I was just, I was looking at my top 10 list and I'm just like looking at it and I'm like, okay, if all these teams were to play each other this week, who would they beat the team in front of them? And... That's why I put the Chiefs where that's why I put everyone where they are. I think the Bucks the Bucks concern to me is mainly their their health. Um I like their defense. I do th- I do think once they are healthy they will be better and I understand it's kind of contradicting myself to what I was saying to Mike earlier, but they were still able to kind of move the ball. Brady still looks good. Um that that's why I have them there. I think if they were to play, you know, just the two or three teams that I had above them, the Dolphins, Niners, Packers, I understand the Pack Packers beat them, but like if Evans, I think if Evans was in that game, he wasn't injured. He was just suspended for something he did the week before. I think they would have beat the Packers. So um, that's why I have him in my top five, but that could change next week. Oh, okay. All right. All right. The one I want to ask Mike about, because I think it's the biggest change that any of us have there. San Francisco making the top five. What did uh, Monday night's game play a big factor into that? You know, I, I've actually been high on the Niners um, since Garoppolo got the reins back. Um, I think that he is not just a veteran presence at the position of quarterback. I think that he really does know the offense. And even though in the offseason we heard about how they wouldn't even give him the playbook and people were joking about that, I don't think he needed that long to pick it up. I think he's the leader that the team needed to take the step that we all thought they would have taken previously under him and, and didn't, and perhaps having some, uh, perhaps getting pressed made him rise to the occasion. Um, I'm more excited for a lot of the weapons that they have. And I think they have just such a unique disposition as a team and they're zigging when everyone else is zagging. And and so I'm really excited to see what they can do. Um, and if their defense keeps playing the way, the way it does, I mean, they might have to score three points a game and they'll be fine. 
I'm exaggerating, of course, but um, you know, I'm I'm pretty excited for for what they can bring to the table. And again, you know, that might be my reach pick, and and um, you know, I'll, I'll own that. But uh, at, at this point, I'm <laughs> at two and two. I'm still pretty excited with kind of the way that their trajectory is headed. JP, where do you have Miami? So for for me, honestly, I have Miami sitting at six. Um, because of the Tua injury, if Tua's not hurt, I have them at I have them at five. I actually I think I have them at at four with with a healthy Tua. Um, I think that the reality is that that injury is going to really hamper the the accuracy of this offense. I know that Teddy Bridgewater is is Teddy Bridgewater. He is the epitome of you know low floor. I mean, sorry. Low ceiling, high floor. And I think that what really helped that offense really click was Tua is a very, very pinpoint accurate quarterback in the short game. So, you know, 20 yards and, and, and closer, he was he's able to layer the ball perfectly, right? Right where you want it. And that was his that was the notes on Tua dating back to when he took over for Jalen Hurts at Alabama, right? Um, but I think that the Dolphins injuries because we don't know what the health of Xavier Howard is going to be. Um, I think I have them a little bit. I have them lower out just outside the top five. So this past week in week four, we had a couple of teams uh, that have up, updated their uniforms, had different helmets, uh, just, just look real, really nice and real good. So we had the saints rocked uh, their new black helmets before. I've never seen those. And I thought they looked, I thought they looked pretty nice. Uh, Giants had their throwback uniforms. Ravens did all purple. Um, Dolphins did their all aqua. Commanders broke out uh, brand new all black. Um, I put on our notes and I heard the sun. Good morning football. They did look like Arizona State and it did kind of remind me of the Steelers. So I had to knock them down a little bit on that one. And the person or the team that I think won the weekend, hands down, I think it was the Bengals with their whiteout. Not only did they go with the whiteout uniforms, the all ice, they got the helmets with the black, white with the black stripes. The end zones were white and black and their midfield logo was white and black. So I think hands down, they had the best. Who in your guys' opinion have either the best uniforms over this past weekend or have the best uniforms in the league? So, Looking at this, I, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right in that the Bengals absolutely blew everyone out of the water. The all-white look was incredible. And I think what really separates them and what really leads to that team to, to, taking that next step is matching the field and the in the surroundings of, with, um, with them. So I think that's really important when we're looking at, like, how do we rank these? But... God, we have to take those. Jason, sorry, I've never seen that before. Have you guys? No, the, to to completely alter the stadium, um, to match. I think that's that that's the way to do it. I think that they 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 really rolled it out the right way. But God, those the commanders Apart uniforms from making the entire field white. They, I don't know how else you can complete a whiteout. No, but can we we have to t- we have to talk about these commanders uniforms? They were atrocious. They were bad. I honestly thought that the Steelers were playing for a second, and I thought that there was something wrong with me as an individual. While that may still be true, at least it wasn't because of that. So I would just, like, why, why, why go black? And you know that you have the most, one of the most iconic combo colorways, one of the most recognizable color combos in all of sports with the black and the black and yellow. I mean, Wiz Khalifa wrote a song about it. Like, don't like you're you're. I don't like saying this very often, but you have to stay in your lane sometimes. And they did not stay in their lane, and they're getting trashed throughout the entire internet for a reason. And I think, oh, oh god, it's just, just bad, just bad. But I think it. But I also think that's kind of par for the course with the Commanders these last couple of seasons. Yep. It's you know they're not gonna they're not gonna allow you, and and boy, if you had low expectations, they'll beat them in the wrong way. And so I think this is just par for the course and. Man, I I um I do feel bad in the sense that the players are probably really excited about it and they were probably super hyped about it and they're just getting torn to shreds all across social the media. The thing I don't week. understand is that <laughs> the thing I don't understand is that the 
the all burgundy uniforms that they rolled out last year are a thousand times better than these all black ones. I'm just perplexed. Like, look, teams, teams, and like branding in general, you have a color palette for a reason, and it's because people have vetted that it, they, those colors go okay together. And if you're gonna step away from that, you're gonna have some consequences, and they did, and and that's why, like, yo, man, I. I don't feel that bad, but way, way too much, way too much dip on your chip there, Playboy. Like it isn't, it is absolute insane. Ugh. I, it just makes me, it makes me feel gross just thinking about it. But now that we're talking, I'm as we're talking about these color palettes and all these things. So I'll ask if you could change one team's uniforms to either making their color rust, their permanent ones, whatever, whatever have you. Um, what would you, what teams would you want to see? be a little bit more creative in their uniform selection. So the, the two that stick out to me, I feel are very obvious and I've, I've been uh, upset with them for a while. And if I'm, if, if you guys, if I'm stealing one from you guys, I do apologize, but mine are the Raiders and the Cowboys. How do the Raiders not have a blackout uniform? Like just an all black. It they have a section in their fans called the black hole. <laughs> their logo is black and silver and black. I mean, it it bugs me. So I would I would give them an all black uniform or maybe a black and with a black helmet or something or a white helmet with a silver stripe down the middle with that logo. I think would look really clean. Black, you know, or a black jersey with white pants. I don't know something figured out, and then the Cowboys—they don't have any color rush that's black on black. Are you no, serious? So their color rush—not that I know of. Their alternate, their alternate jerseys are the the white jerseys with the silver, the silver lit, yeah. the, the silver yeah. lettering. And I, I actually, mm-hmm. I really like those. Yeah, those are clean. But we're talking about color rush, black on black. Like every team has their their base and base. Like oh, no I'm not how even gross talking about the Ravens purple on purple is disgusting, but it's our color rush and we own it. So like they don't have black on black, and you are kidding me. I'm not even talking about straight. If, even if it, even if color rush never existed, how how do the Raiders not have an all black uniform? And then for, uh, my other one is the Cowboys. I don't. First of all, your home blue and gray or silver is completely different than your away home blue and silver. So like that is that's the first problem. Uh, you can't even get your uniforms, right? Like what makes me think that your ownership is correct. Your, your game plans are correct. Like McCarthy can't, co- you know what I mean? Like that just goes down a whole thing. RJ said he loved me last week, but he's going to hate me now. Um, I just, you're such an iconic team, but you're putting out different color combos. And I'm just like, just stick with the Navy and silver and white and you're fine. None of this like hue of blue, but we're going to call it gray. Like what? Come on. What about you, Mike? Um, I kind of, I kind of let it out earlier. You know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the Ravens uniforms, but not their color rush. Um, but if I had to go with teams, I would change. I'd probably change the Patriots color rush since they made that their primary uniforms, to be honest. Um, I would have, I would update their color rush to be something a little bit more, a um, little bit more of an homage to the region. Um, and I know there are other states that are uh, known for their proximity to the ocean and, and and whatnot. But I still think there's a lot more that that they could do with with their uniforms. And particularly since after the Brady era, they were so desperate to to change the way that they looked. I I'll be interested to see what happens moving forward, but those are the ones I'd probably change. So one change I had coming into the season that I was really hoping would actually happen is actually going to happen, which I'm thrilled about. And the Panthers are actually rolling out a black helmet with, it's going to be a black helmet, black, black uh, tops, and then the blue, the blue uh, bottoms. And it's going to look absolutely amazing. I'm thrilled about that. But this one goes out to what I think have consistently had some of the worst uniforms ever. And I'm Cam, I'm coming at you. The Bucks, I, I just until 
I think the only good uniform set that they have is red tops, white bottoms, but the pewter looks bad. I th- I think they're 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 white when you pair it with any of their other com like their combos look bad. Throw the creamsicles into the seventh layer of of hell and just let them stay there because those things are atrocious. Those are some of the growth. Like you literally look like someone had dropped, like a kid had dropped a popsicle on the on the sidewalk and like, oh look, it's the Bucks. And historically, they've also been there too. Yeah, so that's not a good look. It's gross. Yeah, that is not a good look. Um, where where would you guys rank? Hollering. Where would you guys rank the Chargers? Uh, uniforms do you like that they switched to the baby blue look or did you like that that navy chargers have the best uniform set in the league hands down there's no I one love, that comes I close love it. yeah i i appreciate their their current uniforms as well also i just want to throw a little side note cam i'll see you in my uh my twitter mentions here soon my friend so with that being said that brings us to the question of the day and that is what team in the nfl has I'll make it a two-part question or answer it however you want. Uh, which team has the best uniforms in the league? Or if you had to change a team's uh, uniforms or helmets, um, who would it be? If you're listening on Spotify, go ahead and answer that question at the bottom um, of the episode description. And just a, another shameless plug for our podcast. At the end, at the bottom of every episode description, we do have... Uh, the option if you follow and click that link that you can leave us voice memos. Um, JP mentioned it last week. Some people were having problems with it. We got another text today. I went through it and did it myself. It does ask you to make um, a profile at the end of it, which I know is annoying. So if you if you know us and you um, want to go around that, send us a voice memo um, so that we can just take it and put it into the episode or just go ahead and send us a text and we can read it on the episode. Great. Well, thank you guys so much for all those colorful comments. Um, now, as we turn our page to week five, um, it's going to be quite a week now that we're getting into what I would consider the meat of the NFL season. So what games are you guys looking out for this week? Uh, this one to me is an interesting pick for myself, mainly because um, because of the two teams that I'm going to say. I'm the two and two Falcons at the two and two bucks. I know it's, uh, doesn't seem all that great on paper. Um, and just looking at it, it's JP knows more than anyone that division. Um, but the bucks have had their way with pretty much everyone in that division, except for the saints, but the Falcons kind of look like they're starting to put it together. Um, I do think the in with the injury to um, Patterson going down this weekend, I think, or last weekend will hurt, will hurt them a little bit, but I do think that is going to open it up for Pitts to kind of get more involved in that offense. And I would love to see that. So I think that's a, an entertaining game for, for me to watch uh, in that early window. For me, it's actually going to be the London game. Um, it's we, we've, we've had this conversation a little bit earlier today about how the, the Packers have changed their offense to a very run dominant offense. So we have two teams. We don't know who's going to be starting a quarterback for the Giants as both Daniel Jones and Tyrod Taylor went down with injuries last week. And Saquon Barkley was playing quarterback for a while, which was really fun to watch. But I think that I think this has implications throughout the rest of the year. If the Packers don't win this game, I think it's something that we have to really start asking some questions about Matt LaFleur and how that offense is operating. And if the Giants come out with the win, like do they have the chance to take down the Eagles in the NFC in the NFC East? And on the on the flip side, like the Packers, you need this to kind of begin to solidify your your place because your three and the three and one Vikings right now have a little bit of better a little bit of a better walkthrough when it's coming to play the Bears. Um, so I think that this game has a lot of really interesting implications for the NFC. And I know I know it's an international game, JP, but. Colin has Colin Coward has harped on this um, for the first four games, and and I kind of have to agree with him here. I think if they don't win this game um, without their without the Giants having a starting quarterback, if Jones isn't playing this week, and if you struggle with them slash lose, I don't care if it's the international game. 
you just went to overtime with the third string against a third string quarterback last week. You have to get the the dub this week. What about you, Mike? What game are you looking forward to in week in week five? Well, just to to kind of <clears throat> chat about what, what Greg said for a second, I think that's a really good point, and I think that's kind of they're on the hot seat as a team. It seems like um, so. I'll be interested to see how that does play out um, in the international game. Uh, the game that I, I'll, I'll pick is is one that I mentioned earlier um, with Kenny Pickett starting. So the Steelers and Bills are really my game that I'm interested in, in watching. I understand that it's not a home game for Kenny Pickett, but it is his first game as the starter. And so I'm interested to see how he does with, with a full week of, of, of number one reps and, you know, the – the floor is his and I'm, I'm interested to see what he is able to pull out of his hat. Now, full disclosure, I do have him in some dynasty fantasy league. So a little bit of a selfish, selfish plug here. Um, that's the game I'll be watching. I mean, Hey, look, I have him and Sam Howell. So it's not like I'm, I'm, it's not like I'm doing well in those leagues. So, um, it'll be interesting to see, uh, how, how he performs. I, I, I really do believe that with a, a banged up Bills defense after two pretty tough weeks for them, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how the Steelers offense uh, gets up for this game. Real quick, before we move into our game picks, I got to ask you guys about one more game since none, none of us said it. The three and one Cowboys at the two and two Rams is Cooper rush going four and now as the, the new starting quarterback of the Cowboys. And I'm, this is going to be controversial and I'm, I'm ready to have fun with it. If he does, do we have a controversy here in Dallas? I can give you 164 million reasons why there isn't a controversy in Dallas. Um, <laughs> you pay tech too much money to not have him be your, your, your starting quarterback. And I think, yes, the, they have, they are now, you know, three and O as Cooper, you know, as Cooper Rush is their is their uh, starting quarterback, but we talked about it a little bit. The last three games haven't been against opponents who I'm thinking are going to be like, oh, oh wow, like you're you're really tearing apart some phenomenal defenses. You have a three point win at the Bengals. You have a seven point win at the Giants, and then you have a fifteen point win. You know against the commander. So I'm not, I'm not seeing any of these defenses and thinking, Oh wow, you are, you're lighting the league up. Right. I don't, I don't think, I think with Dak in that offense Dak with those weapons, now that everyone's coming back healthy, I think that Dak still provides the, the, the ultimate answer. I think that the more serious thing is how badly, how badly hurt is Matt Stafford because coming like the talk in the preseason, we were a little worried about it. And you know, Sean McVay did our, did his best to kind of dissuade any sort of notion that this is anything serious, but he has not looked good at all. And the only the only bright side to the entire Rams offense right now is if you have Cooper Cup in fantasy, which you do. Yeah, but get your plug in, get it in, get your fantasy stuff in right now. I. I don't think the cowgirls will really have a, a QB controversy. I think I think Dak's the, I think Dak's the one, uh, the one for them, and so you know, yeah, I think I think he'll come back and he'll be just, he'll be Dak with those weapons, and I think that this is the team that they've been trying for for a while, and if this ends up being the kind of transition either to Dak or or the realization that maybe they should move on from Dak. Who's to say it's early, but um, I won't hold my breath. Yeah. Not in the NFC. It's been a it's been an up and down year for for a lot of the a lot of the top tier quarterbacks over there. Um, so I'll be interested. Well, I I do think Dak is there is the better choice at quarterback. But the way Cooper Rush has been be able to facilitate this offense has brought a new dynamic for them. But we'll just say this because maybe it it'll happened. make Dak trust them more. It, it this happens no matter who you are, no matter what your team name is, no matter if it's college, high school, or pros. If he goes four and zero or even three and one during this stretch, 
whenever Dak comes back, if he starts losing, you will hear the fans start saying something that, and that's just because that's how fans are. Doesn't necessarily mean it's true, but to JP's point, they have kind of beaten up on some uh, bottom of the league on bottom of the league teams. But it it hasn't even been beaten up. I'll, like there, it's not like they're it's not like you're going out there and putting up 35 points, right? You're like your highest score is 25, right? So has he he has done exactly what you expect the your backup quarterback to do? You come in, you run the offense, you manage it, you minimize turnovers, and that's it. There's a difference between being able to win a game with a quarterback and winning a game because of a quarterback. And I think you can win games because of Dak Prescott. And you can win games with Cooper Rush. I think that's different. And particularly because the defensive side of the ball has those, the amount of pressure that they're being able to put on and take advantage of these weak offensive lines has really been able to cement that this is why the Cowboys have winning those games. I don't think that Cooper Rush is going to be the future quarterback of the, of the Dallas Cowboys at any given point, barring injury to Dak Prescott. Yeah, I mean it's it is it's it's a good point, right? I think I think the Cowboys are in an interesting predicament if they do go four and zero with Cooper Rush, only in the sense that they might realize they don't need to be paying this much for quarterback if they can just find someone who like Tua or Teddy Bridgewater is an exceptional facilitator, um, and I think they could probably find uh, a discount there, and I. I <sighs> I'm a little. I'm not just harping on it because it's it's the Cowboys and I'm not a big fan, but it really hasn't seemed like the McCarthy era has been player focused in the sense that they have a ton of talent on both sides of the ball, and yet they're almost finding ways to lose games more than they're finding ways to win games. And when you have such a high priced offense like that, if you're willing to take those lumps and willing to spend time, kind of middling and mediocrity you should probably move on from your franchise quarterback because you refuse to use him to his potential despite his history and and things of that nature so this brings us to my favorite segment of the week we have our primetime pickums where me and the boys will go through each of the picks for all of our primetime games and give you who we have as our winners and our losers to kind of give you a recap of last week Greg took home the the trophy of the week going three and one. He picked the Bengals on Thursday, the Chiefs on Sunday, the Niners on Monday night, and his upset pick of the week was the only one he missed, which was the Texans. Coming in second place was myself. I missed on the Dolphins on Thursday. I got it right with the Chiefs, was real wrong with the Rams, and I hit my upset pick of the week with the Falcons. And then bringing in the rear, we have Mike going one and three who hit on the Bengals, missed on the Bucks, Rams, and Commanders. So, Mike, as you came in last place, let's start with you for this week's picks. We have the Colts at the Broncos. Who you got? Considering, you know, recent recent events and, and injuries, I'm going to go with the Colts this week, but I think this is a big get-right game for them, and and this is the one I'm probably least, least sure about. So what about you guys? Where you fall on this? I'm going to go. Can I have that game? And in a tie. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think uh, I don't um, think you can. Uh, well, then, uh, if if Russell Wilson is healthy, I shouldn't say healthy. If he plays, I know he's missed practice this week. Uh, I'm going to go with the Broncos. Okay. I think I'm going to take the Broncos this week as well. I think, I think they're going to learn some lessons. But if, if Jonathan Taylor is healthy – the Raiders really exposed that Broncos run defense when Josh Jacobs is going off of what he did. I think you have to be very careful. So I think it's going to be Denver by a field goal. Let's move on to our Sunday night games. We have, Oh man, I don't even have to ask at this point, we have Bengals at Ravens. So we're going to go ahead and schedule in both Mike and Greg for the Ravens, unless I'm wrong. You're not. I'm never writing my pick in the, in the chat again. You can just you can just take that. You want to you want to know what the JPM. funny thing is? I didn't even look at your picks. I just saw that it was Bengals and Ravens, so I knew what the answer was gonna be. You know what? I would have picked the Bengals if they were healthier. To be honest with you, I'm just kidding. No, I wouldn't have. Uh, no, going with the Ravens here. I think it's a, a 
these are two get right games in my in my opinion. I think that um, last year the the Bengals had their way with the Ravens uh, twice, and their fans and the players will never let anyone forget it. Um, it's almost like they won the Super Bowl twice. <laughs> it's like, um, but really interested to see how this game plays out. I hope the Ravens really come to play. And I'm going with the Ravens by a field goal. All right. Um, if the Ravens decide to show up in this, if they take it, oh, Ooh. um, if the Ravens decide to show up in the second half, the Ravens are winning this football game. So I'm going to clean sweep it for the Ravens for the Sunday night game. Now that brings us to um, our Monday night matchup. We have Raiders, Chiefs, uh, Mike. Uh, let's, let's start with you, Greg. Who do you got? I have the Chiefs winning big in this one. I'm gonna say at least two touchdowns. Ooh, okay. Well, with how that. Raiders offensive line is looking that might be possible. Mike, what do you got? We actually have a couple of listeners who are real big Ra- Raiders fans, so <laughs> um, I kind of feel bad for for dragging them like that, but I'm also going to go Chiefs. Um, I, I think the, the Raiders need to find themselves, and they just haven't done it so far this year. So I think this has potential to set – I think this does have potential as a trap game for the Chiefs again. I know they already went through it with the, with the Colts earlier, but – you're coming in off of a really high note after that, you know, big statement victory on Sunday night. Um, so I think they need to be careful. I think this game is going to be a lot closer than people are predict- are predicting. And I think the Chiefs will win. I think it's going to be a, you know, 17, 24, 21 or 24 type game. So I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a lot closer than a lot of people are thinking. But I do think that the Chiefs are going to come away with this win. Absolutely. Division game. Big game for, for both for both teams. I could absolutely see the Raiders getting up for this and, and playing out of their minds. And I think, you know, as one thing that Greg said last week when I was going back and reviewing um, in prep for this week's pod was the Raiders now are showing that sense of urgency and they showed it against Denver. Um, their their defensive line was running around like their hair was lit on fire. They were they were creating a lot more pressure. The secondary stepped up. They still have issues at linebacker, especially if Denzel Perryman is not healthy. But I think that there's that, that urgency is going to create a little bit closer of a game. Um, so this takes me to our last pick of the week, our upset picks. So I want to ask both of you gentlemen, who do you have kind of in that upset role? Who do you think is going to come away with an upset pick? I'm going to say the Jets upset the Dolphins at home. Or Jets are at home. Uh, I think I think they upset the Dolphins. Mm. That's a good pick. That's a good pick. I like that pick. Mike, what about you? Who's your upset pick of the week? Yeah, uh, I think I think for my upset pick this week, I'm going to take the Bears. Uh, I <laughs> I think I've said this for every <laughs> every game we've, we've picked about being a get right game, but you know, I, I have I have faith in Fields, and as a full disclaimer, not just because I haven't been in Dynasty League, but I really think that the Bears are close. I just I need I I would like to see it click. Uh, and so I'm going to put my, my, um, I hate to be wrong two weeks in a row with an upset pick, but I'm going to go with the bears. So I'm going to go back to the well and pick a, a former, uh, upset pick of the week. Cause I think they're going to do me right this, this week. And I have the lions going up to new England and beating the brakes off the Patriots. I think that that, I think it's going to happen. I think it'll be a, a seven plus point win for the, for uh, Detroit in New England. New England's got some things they need to figure out on the offensive side of the ball. And almost like a get right game. Yeah. But obviously Detroit's defense is atrocious, but Jared Goff is putting up numbers. So I think that my upset pick of the week is the Detroit lions. They're a three point underdog going into New England. And I think that they're going to get it done and they're going to get it done handily. Um, I will say if Sean McVay can scheme Jared Goff to a Super Bowl, he is capable of winning the, a game. So I think that this could be the game. Jared Goff shows you that he has something. Well, he almost did it. He almost did it last week when they when they came almost came from behind and beat the Seahawks. Did the, the same thing happen when I when Greg and I picked them for our upset pick uh, against the Vikings, um, but the defense let him down on that point, which has been the story of this uh, of the entire season for the Detroit Lions. But I think that New England doesn't have enough firepower to keep up with the type of scheming and the type of creativity that the Lions' offense has showed so far. 
Well, thanks guys for providing those great, wonderful insights today. Um, and as always, thanks everyone for listening. Please subscribe and leave us a review. Not only do your reviews mean so much to us, but we love reading them. Uh, and they help us get found by other people who are potentially searching for new podcasts. Uh, we really want to be found uh, and get people interested in, in talking football in perhaps a little bit different way than uh, some other talking heads will present the game. Um, but tune in next week and next Thursday for another episode of Not Another Football Podcast. Thanks, everybody. Cam, I'll see you in my Twitter mentions real soon. Same with you, RJ. Thanks.